0: Ooh. Live long and prosper. Oh, I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. Buy Grab hammer. What, what a saving.
1: One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot.
0: Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, whole crummy Frog, your Her ties are cool. So say we all. This is a, a play on nerds. Play on nerds.
2: Welcome, 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 everyone, to episode 186 of A Play
1: on Nerds. I am one of your co-hosts, Jarman. I'm the other co-host, Steve, and we're here to co-host <laughs> oh. the hell out of this Christmas special.
2: That's right. What a great intro. And to do that, we are going to watch something that no one in their right mind should watch, but you should all watch for the sake of this episode. That is Nutcracker 3D or Nutcracker the Untold Story, depending if you're feeling sexy or not. And uh, this is a 2010 movie. I think it was
1: 2010. Yeah. Um, and my daughter just went to go see the full length Nutcracker for the first time here in Pittsburgh. Ah, Nice. It was a magical time for her. And I got to watch this movie
2: and <laughs> not have a magical time,
1: which was a time. <laughs> we'll talk me. about that. Felt like an hours and hours and hours. Oh, my God. It's an endeavor more of that holiday cheer later.
2: <laughs> that's right steve what have you been up to since we last started recording
1: well our f- house is finally mostly healthy oh mostly. good we're finally on track uh as i said joyce went to go see the nutcracker that was very exciting dilly and i got to go to a holiday market and do some shopping for mom nice which is like a rare thing to get to go with just the kids to to get things for for holidays and birthdays and whatnot yeah Um, And then otherwise, just at work, I've been doing uh, a lot of like holiday stuff at work Hmm. because it's kind of this like Christmas cheer trying to get morale up sort of deal. (laughs) It's really Uh, busy, probably. Yeah. So I made I made a fake fireplace out of this really cheap brick wallpaper laminate stuff and uh, some printed out things to make it look like a fire. And then I cut out, I printed out and cut out little tiny stockings. And people are writing people's names on the stockings and like writing them a nice note.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Putting it on the board. I put up a a, a tree in the break room. And the other day I invited people to make ornaments out of paper. So I cut out a bunch of ornaments and brought in art supplies. It's like, it's kind of like kindergarten. It feels a little bit like kindergarten. (laughs) And. And then one weekend, I set up uh, a hot chocolate bar. Ooh, that's right, hot chocolate, little candy canes, chocolate syrup, whipped cream, milk. Didn't have that in kindergarten. That's right. Um, so you know, I've been I'm, I'm I'm in charge of bringing the holiday cheer, so I've been trying to bring it.
2: A little bit of peppermint schnapps on the
1: side, uh, nothing like that. <laughs> that's right. No, <laughs> not at work. Oh, well, dang, that's not just too bad. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so just trying to get into the holiday spirit. We went and got our tree. We went and got a real tree the, for the first time in our lives. Nice, because it was just one. The, well, not first time, but like as homeowners, right, we right. brought it to our home. Um, and so because of that, my mom dra- used to drag us out to this place out past the airport. Mom, I, I know you listen. Uh, and we just decided that was too far from our place, <laughs> so we found a local lot where the guy shipped in like forty to fifty trees a day from Katanning, which is a little nothing town. An hour, hour and a half north of us. Uh, and so we just went to that lot. And I was like, uh, that tree's good. That one, too. We went, and looked at the, tree, the trees, and I went, all right, that one. Guy okay, took it, put it in a machine to wrap it up. I popped it on top of the car. Somehow it made it home. Yeah. <laughs> but we were done in like 30 minutes. Yeah, You've
2: like you got an SUV now or something, right?
1: We got a, a, a Nissan Rogue. Yeah, those are good for carrying a so tree. Like a, mid, a midsize size. But yeah, yeah. She just threw that shit up on top, wrapped some twine. Did it cost a fortune? Uh, it, was a, it was a little bit more than I was expecting to spend, but not that much more than I was. Inflation, expecting to spend. you know. <laughs> it was $15 more than I expected to spend. That's not so bad. You were right. Not insane, not a deal breaker amount. I believe for our foreign listeners, that is uh, 14,000 pounds. Yes. Or, or seven. Seven trillion quid is that right? (laughs) I don't.
2: I believe it's four billion rupees. Uh,
1: How many? How many sixpence is it?
0: (laughs) Forty-six pence for the tree, sir.
1: (laughs) Help me, Paul Wright and Daniel Peter Hitch. Can I get a
0: fiver for the tree, please, sir? May I have some proper mathematics, sir? (laughs) No, it's called maths. Did you do the mass right in that tree? We don't have any lights for the tree, only despair. And cloudy days and porridge. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas. And Merry Boxing day. It's the Day. It's the day after Christmas. <laughs> It's when my father boxes because... me for not doing enough chores around the house. No, I'm going
1: to credit here. I can't remember who it was that told us, but explain that it's because servants were expected to work on Christmas. That's right. And traditionally had the day after Christmas off. And mm-hmm. the the people would pack up like gifts or leftovers to give to the servants for the next day. In a box. It was Boxing Day. Yeah. So thank you, Paul Wright or Daniel Peter Hitch, whoever taught us that. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so, Darren, nice. what have you been up to? Man, I had so much to update on after being sick and doing nothing for like three Oh, weeks.
2: I know. You poor guy. The whole family.
1: Um, didn't didn't do a damn thing. It was great.
2: We uh, were not sick in the house, but uh, I'm surprised we haven't gotten sick just because we've been working like dogs. But we also, my wife had, she's a drama teacher at middle school, so she had a thespian competition. It's like the, the, the Drama Honor Society. They do a competition um, for her junior middle schoolers to district competitions so i went to judge that as well so i did a i judged duet musicals um which i've done before in past years and it was really cute and adorable and the kids always make me like just smile the whole day my face hurts by the end of the day because they're so cute even if they do a really terrible job it's adorable um i always say i'm the paula abdul of the american (laughs) idol judges on the stage because i'm just like everyone gets superiors everybody um (laughs) and you've got the
1: best dance moves (laughs) oh yeah
2: (laughs) Opposites and uh, then I went with my aunt and uncle to see the Book of Mormon, um, you know, in a professional stage production over oh, in Daytona. Cool. Yeah. Very nice. i had seen it previously in Orlando, but this was the second time I saw it, and it was just absolutely hilarious and offensive and wonderful. Um, And then just Good. working like crazy. I'm working on a motorcycle club romance book, which is a very popular romance genre for some reason. Um, it's where, you know, gruff motorcycle gangs are actually have a heart of gold. And then, you know, there's women who fall in love with them and become part of the motorcycle gang, but the MC, the motorcycle club, they call it, not a gang. Um, and that so I'm just,
1: are, are, are these novels for women? Yes.
2: yes. So it's usually, okay. uh, it's also very popular in the re- reverse harem category, which means it's a very popular thing right now where a woman has multiple partners and they're all devoted just to her. Um, Got it. and so she has multiple guys in the motorcycle club that she's with, and that's very popular for the paranormal romance genre that I do, where mm. she'll have a werewolf boyfriend, a vampire boyfriend, and they're all in one little, you know, pod together. Um, yeah, like a polycule, a polycule of vampires and werewolves. That's right. <laughs> and so I'm starting one this next week for, with a Kraken as the main character He's a shape shifting Kraken. Um, his best friend is just an immortal guy and he also hangs out with a vampire and they all just have lots of sex and it's, uh, but it's actually really well-written. So it's pretty cool. And I got my first book with podium audio, which is pretty cool. I now have three book deal with a, one of the, one of the bigger uh, audio publishers in, in the U.S. And internationally. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm just doing, I've, I'm booked until April with audiobooks, which is awesome.
1: Well, that's sensational. It's just a lot of work, but it's fun. But booked work is good work.
2: Exactly. And so I kind of can rest easy for a little bit and just read a lot of romance. So, <laughs> but I think that takes us over to some nerdy news. That's right. That is not the
0: right one. Yeah, it's nerdy <laughs> news. But, but, uh. Here we go. It's
1: time for Nerdy News. All right, this week, from the word of Nerdy News, I'm bringing you uh, the cheeky title for my, as always, cheeky story. And that is, uh, I'm starting with the mouse in the mirror. Ooh. Well, <laughs> Takahashi Kitamura, a neuroscientist at the University of Texas's Southwestern Medical Center, uh, him and some of the researchers I've been trying to figure out if mice can pass the mirror test. This is a test uh, given to animals to see if they can recognize themselves in the mirror. Mm -hmm. So they took mice that were all dark colored and they put them in a box with with a mirror in it. And they took the mice and they put big white dots of ink on their forehead. So what these, these mice demonstrated is they would go over in front of the mirror and they would groom themselves, watching themselves in the mirror, and then would stop when visibly it was all gone. Showing that they were recognizing themselves and using the mirror as a tool, knowing that they were that thing.
2: It's so funny, because I just read this article last night, actually, while I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep. And so I, I, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, to make sure it wasn't a fluke, they then ran the same trial again with black ink. And they found that the mice just didn't do it. They just didn't groom themselves if they couldn't see it. Meaning that they recognized themselves in the mirror enough to know that they didn't have anything on their head.
2: I didn't see that part. So, yes, they aren't feeling the paint. They were actually seeing it. Right. They're visually
1: taking it in. Uh, But scientists aren't quite ready to, like, throw up the big green flag on this one with a pass. (laughs) Um, While it did show that they could recognize themselves in the mirror – It took a lot of external stimulus and very specific circumstances to make it happen, Hmm. which isn't the case with most other animals that do pass the test. Um, Additionally, in this trial, there was a batch of mice that were raised as individuals in isolation, unable to see other mice, so not knowing what other mice looked like. And they were put into the same box, and they did nothing because they had no idea what that thing was. Oh, nothing to compare it to, basically. They had never seen another mouse in their life. <laughs> so they didn't know that that's what they were. Interesting. To even know to recognize themselves. Because, but as opposed to ones that grew up around other mice that knew that that's what a mice was. <laughs> it's crazy to think about these mental things.
2: Yeah. Even the small, um, tiny brains. So, yes past, kind
1: of. We're going to give it like a B minus.
2: Yeah, because they're dumb, um, but they're also surprising.
1: <laughs> and just for reference, some other animals that do pass the mirror test are humans, all the great apes, uh, bottlenose dolphins, orcas, magpies, and ants. Whoa! Ants can recognize themselves in the mirror. It's that's crazy. That's weird. <laughs> uh, so once again, that is.
0: I'm starting with the mouse in the mirror. Oh!
2: <laughs> Fantastic! A singing title. And we're switching things up a little bit here. We're gonna have the bit come first before our main segment because we are going to slowly introduce you into the wonderful crap pile that is this movie by first giving you some of the reviews of the time from the top reviewers in our in our industry of Hollywood uh, that gave this film when it came out in 2010. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, switch off here. I'll start with the first one here for the Holly uh, right. for the Nutcracker. An untold story was it? Untold, the untold story. The untold story. 3D, <laughs> 3D maybe. All right. So the Hollywood Reporter says, delivering the cinematic equivalent of a lump of coal in a Christmas stocking, the Nutcracker in 3D is an apparent Scrooge-like attempt by Russian filmmaker Andrei, Koz- oh boy, Konchalovsky, to forever ruin children's associations with the classic Yuletide ballet. <laughs>
1: Oh man! uh From now on, let's just call him Andre, because otherwise we're just gonna have to. That's a good idea. Ad, a good idea. From so now on, it's just Andre. <laughs> okay. The non-balletic adaptation by the Russian director Andre is something gnarled and stunted and wrong, something that should have never been allowed to see the light of day. How that's how's that for a holiday ad pull quote. <laughs>
2: a slate Uh, from Vulture. It has so many terrible ideas that the terrible execution is almost irrelevant. Even if the film were well done, it would still be a travesty.
1: That's right. Uh, New York Post spectacularly misconceived, bloated and incredibly ugly. (laughs) I love that.
2: Uh, Village Voice. The wildest thing about this movie is its faith that what kids and parents really want for Christmas is a nutcracker version of the final solution. (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) the San Francisco Chronicle says imagine watching Tchaikovsky's ballet after taking a handful of peyote on a day when all of the dancers call in sick and the orchestra decides to play a different set of the composer's work
2: (laughs) the AV club at worst it's a joke an exercise in treacly bad taste I don't know that word treacly bad taste a 90 million dollar pain in the retinas
1: right? USA Today says, who had the lame-brained idea for a post-apocalyptic 3D nutcracker that is lacking any trace of ballet?
2: (laughs) Associated Press, seriously, who thought this was a good idea?
1: (laughs) Variety. The familiarity of the music may actually be a disadvantage. The ear wants the melodies to conform to one's memory of them, but instead they've been tortured into <laughs> compliance with the needs of a standard movie musical. Oh God
2: slant magazine. Uh, Andre's holiday fable confirms its chosen technology as not simply a gimmick, but a veritable crime against both cinema and moviegoers wallets.
1: And finally from the esteemed Roger Ebert and with the Chicago sun times from what dark night of the soul emerged. The wretched idea for the nutcracker in 3d
2: <laughs> so hold on to your butts people this is what we're about to review
1: <laughs> okay so um so my first statement in my summary and you can see it right now and i wrote this hmm. was how to summarize this thing. <laughs> i wrote that sentence yeah what I the didn't... hell <laughs> okay mary is a child in the 1920s in vienna with her family her crazy uncle Albert Einstein. Maybe not. I don't know. Played by Nathan Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brings her a creepy dollhouse with some janky toys, including a nutcracker that looks like if uh, Woody from toy story had a terrible love child with a marionette <laughs> uh, that night, the nutcracker comes to life, grows to large sound size and lures Mary into a closet where she finds herself in a larger than life version of her house with the Christmas tree. Uh, they go and meet some of the Nutcracker's friends, a clown and a chimp and a drummer boy. They climb a tree. She meets the snow fairy who looks like her mom, but isn't her mom. Nothing happens. <laughs> Mary flies. The Nutcracker turns into a boy just from her basically standing here for like two minutes. He reveals that his kingdom has been overtaken by the Rat King. Elsewhere, we see the Rat King and his witch mom. They've taken over the city. They burn children's toys to make smoke to block out the sun because they're afraid of it. He has spies that report the Nutcracker is a boy again, and the witch turns him back. It was just that easy. (laughs) Nothing had to happen for him to either turn out of or back into. (laughs) Metal dog beavers then come and eat through the bottom of the tree, and the tree falls, and Mary wakes up, and her parents think she's full of shit. The next night, the Nutcracker goes to recruit his friends, but they're all captured like punks, like immediately by the Rat King. Once again, nothing had to happen. Just, just, okay. Mary's brother just turns on her like a bitch and goes with the Rat King. Kid's a sociopath.
0: What? A fucking punk.
1: Okay. Mary and the monkey guy somehow follow them into the city. They sneak into one of the smoke towers. Mary grabs the nutcracker before he gets sucked into a furnace like in Toy Story 3. She cries on him. He turns back into a boy. Just that easy. Nothing had to happen. <laughs> the workers see this and they rise up in resistance. The Rat King's army is routed. The King Rat King escapes into a helicopter with his witch mom and the brother of the kid, of Mary. Uh, the monkey and Mary overtake them. Once again, nothing had to happen. Uh, helicopter crash lands. Thank God they're all okay because it's into a pile of toys. The smoke machine is broken. The sun comes out. All the rats shrink. The Rat King escapes, which is incredibly dissatisfying. And the day is one. Uh, Mary can't stay, though. She has to go home because the fairy that looks like her mom but is not her mom says so she has to. Uh, her uncle, Albert Einstein, uh, brings uh the prince who is a neighbor of his to meet her and then they go ice skating and i guess it's presumed that they fall in love at age 12 and get married two years later i don't really know <laughs> why they decided to throw a romance angle on this thing like right at the last second i really don't disturbing because they're
2: children it's really
1: they kept weird it's so good and so clean until that point i was like why why <laughs> um so that's the nutcracker, the untold story that should have remained untold.
0: Yes, it should have.
2: <laughs> Why was Albert Einstein in this movie? Okay.
1: Okay, let's let's dig that's the first question I have. Let's dig a few bodies out of this fire before we get into it. Let's okay. Pull. I think there are some redeemable things to talk about. Uh-huh. First is the cast. Yes. John Taturo as the Rat King. Oh my God. So, so something here. But he tried. Nathan Lane did lend an era of mystique to the movie.
2: Some, yeah, like like, basically talking to the camera.
1: In fact, like I would say that I I was pleasantly surprised with the movie up to about 10 minutes in. Yeah. It was like, okay. Where's this going? All right. (laughs) Um, and then um, you get frances De la tour in there as the the witch mother and she's a great actress has been harry potter and oh, yeah. other stuff um, like good decent cast you get oh oh richard e grant plays mm-hmm. the dad and he should have played the rat king i'm not really sure why they didn't have him play the rat king yeah because all the other characters kind of like also play yeah
2: like they were doubling up cast like they did in um wizard of oz but they didn't do it with him for some reason i don't know why yeah
1: Wizard of oz uh the classic is peter pan where the guy who plays their father typically also plays captain hook right um but yeah like a better cast in this movie certainly deserved i think is maybe el
2: fanning that. did a great job as like her first major film basically okay
1: Okay, I don't want to pick on her because this is not her fault.
2: Because she acted the hell out of the best she could with the line she was given. Well, I think for a little it, little kid, she was amazing.
1: This movie, I think, was clearly written for a slightly older actress. It must have been. Not by much. Three or four years, 15, 16, 17. But I think it was written that way because to hear this little 11-year-old girl say these like very adult things was was so off-putting. It feels like they just, no one looked at the script after they had to cast her.
2: And the weird way she was like covering up her shoulder at the end, like from the boy, it's like, you're like 12. This is really weird. It just,
1: it it just, it it didn't feel right. And and now it might be a case where like, they were so excited to get her on the project because she was like, you know, a fanning, Mm -hmm. you know, established little actress. Um, And so, Maybe that was what it is. Maybe they put her, put her at the, Oh, we got Ellie Fanning, but she's younger than we want. It doesn't matter. We got her. Yeah. But then no one looked at the script again. And so because of that, they had to cast the Prince really young,
2: Steven, no one looked at the script. <laughs>
1: no one, just no one looked at it again. It Ever. One, period. Time, one time it was written. And then that was
2: it. someone wrote it in the dark and then just published it. It was done.
1: Yeah, some agent was like, oh, I got the manuscript I loved. It. And he's like, that draft I sent you? He's like, no, don't change a thing. Don't change <laughs> I read it.
2: Leave it. I wrote it one time. I'm calling everyone. No proofing. It's fine. <laughs> uh, we get a randomly Jamaican drummer boy. Uh, uh, that was really weird. Don't know what that's about. Rat Nazis. Rat Nazis. Rat na-
1: okay. Okay. So something else to pull out of this. This fire. <laughs> sorry. I'm <sorry>. <laughs> just having a hard time. Some of the production design. Was pretty good. I thought the rat for, okay. (laughs) It was a terrible concept. I just
0: want to start with that. (laughs) The rat
1: Nazis were a terrible concept, but some production designer and some makeup artists and some costumers did it. (laughs) Like, and okay, I wouldn't say right off the of production bat. value was good on that. All stuff. the
2: technical aspects were pretty darn good. The costumes, yeah, the, yeah. the sets, the the
1: special effects weren't even that bad. Um, yeah, some of them were a little jarring, but for for most of them, they used them well.
2: Like they they did terrible things, like using that terrifying rat face for a children's movie. But it was good. It looked good. and It was scary. It was like out of a horror movie, but it so it didn't didn't belong here. But it looked great. <laughs>
1: um but yeah even though you know the big black towers and all that stuff the visuals were all good some good people worked on this thing yeah it's not wrong like it, you know it's just a question of what did what did andre do
2: <laughs> i like we're calling him andre <laughs>
1: it's just because the last name's hard oh I'm yeah sure. of course um so, so, yeah, a lot of the production, like the monkey was very well. The monkey guy was very well executed.
2: You could tell it was a mixture of he had the prosthetics on and they added CGI and afterwards. CGI which
1: I always yeah. love that,
2: though. And they'd mix the two together instead of just doing CGI when they have some practical because it looks so much um, better that way. And the, he did look good. He looked that was like really good. monkey. Well, yeah, effect. like
1: even the dystopian future stuff looked good. The piles of toys, the crowds, like all that was very convincing. And then the rest of the movie happened. Um, <laughs> the whole movie happened um so but that's not ellie fan's fault what i brought up right i guess is my point you know it's not her fault she was cast too young they didn't look at the script because that nothing made sense (laughs) the lines didn't make sense the few of them there were um it's man what okay so now let's start just let's just getting into the train wreckage
2: yeah because uh the whole Albert Einstein thing didn't make any sense to me. He's not involved in any way because he wasn't alive when Tchaikovsky wrote uh, The Nutcracker. And so I, I don't understand.
1: Well, because it, it took place in 1920s Vienna.
2: Right. And for some well, reason... That's,
1: that's the why. But we don't, but why we don't know true.
2: why it's up there and why some actors have an American accent. Some of them are British. He's suddenly Albert Einstein's there because he lives in Vienna. But why? We don't know. There's no motivation so the behind the the
1: is that somehow... This this dollhouse that he made was somehow like his invention, and he's the one that invented this crazy thing that makes all this life and stuff. I don't know, a lot of implications. <laughs> um, um, and all, also, like the the whole plot comes out of nowhere.
2: Um, like he she finds she she goes into the dream world or whatever and meets NC the Nutcracker, and they just start. He wants to take her somewhere. It Doesn't really say where or why. But then also, he, as they're walking down to the main room, because he wants to show her that, he says, have you seen any rats around? And she goes, uh, no. And then they can finally meet the the Snow Queen lady. And he says, the plan is they're going after the Rat King. And I'm like, when did this happen? He, he never talked about that. That was never a thing they were doing. And suddenly he's saying, oh, our plan is to, to go after the Rat King. He's like, that was never mentioned before. And Mary just goes along with it without asking any questions. It, I was so confused. It came out of nowhere. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> that do you have that same problem like where that came from
1: well the, yes but from a different aspect mm. um this like the once again written just if for her being a protagonist she didn't do any protagonist stuff yeah she was literally just dragged by someone from one place to another for mm-hmm. the whole movie she didn't go anywhere by herself There was no solo adventure, even at the end when it should have been just her. They tagged that monkey guy onto her. Yep. And it made the whole thing irrelevant. Like she was just being dragged somewhere else again. Gilgood was his name. It just didn't. And because of that, you're right. It all felt random because she, her character was not the one taking the initiative. She was always the one being dragged to something.
2: Yeah. Without really knowing why or why she was there or. Why was she imagining this particular story in her dreams?
1: It it worked a little bit, a little bit after they took her brother.
2: Yeah. Then she had a motivation. It's like, then it was more like, it felt kind of like labyrinth in that point. Like where the rat king has taken her brother. That should have
1: been introduced so stupid early to make any of this make sense.
2: Yeah. Her brother should have been kidnapped in the beginning. Then it could have been like a whole labyrinth situation. And that's,
1: and that's her call to action. Yeah. So she has to befriend the nutcracker, turn him back into a real boy, gather his friends and go and save go your brother off about that. yeah bam you have a movie that makes sense <laughs> just like that we did it on a podcast in four minutes
2: <laughs> also the so they have the wonderful mu- music of tchaikovsky which i'm very tired of because i had to see them at cracker every year growing up and it was it was great and it became worse and worse i was like i'm so tired of this but they have this great music at their disposal and the songs are terrible like There's bad rhymes. There's no, and when they did original songs that weren't Tchaikovsky, there was no, there was no chorus to speak of where you could remember the song or had it stick in your head. It just kind of they all rambled, and it was just like, this is
1: these are really bad songs. (laughs) Yeah, I was so. Once again, the first ten minutes were okay. Yeah, they were. And when Nathan Lane did the first thing and sang along with it. I can't remember what song it was. It was, it was one of the Tchaikovsky was, ones. Yeah. It was dun, 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 dun. He sang along with it. And then I was like, oh, it'll continue and it'll kind of interlude to the that, next. That'll be a clever way to use it. Yeah. As like a musical device. And they're like, that didn't happen again. <laughs> nope. And they sang original songs that I looked at. And I was like, is this from the Nutcracker? And she goes, I don't think so. It might be, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Nope. Um, and it was just that. And it was almost like they hid the music. And the places where the music did exist, like when she did the flying thing from the tree, were the only sense of ballet dancers we get in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. But there was so much other soundscape and crap over top of it that it was like the music was being hidden. And they did a little quick
2: snippet of the Russian dancer song. Um, one guy was whistling one of, the, one of the Nutcracker songs one time. And that was It's like, you have, that's the whole point of this is this the Nutcracker. Like, what are you
1: doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you add to that, like, why did the Rat King's mother have to exist
2: at all? Just to be a quirky, weird character. Why
1: couldn't the Rat King just have magic powers? Yeah. Why Why did it have to be anything more than that? I don't understand. Th- that didn't serve any device. They both ended up in the same place at the end. They both ended up in the helicopter. Neither of them took a different journey. Like... There wasn't any different payoff for the two of them. So what was the point of them being two characters? Yeah, they
2: served the same purpose. There was no exact same yeah, purpose. There's no story device of why that was important,
1: except for to show basically like maybe for Rat King character development.
0: That's <laughs> Which, what it's that's important because there
1: was that really drawn out scene where he has to go like ask his mom why the spell didn't last and she bites him. Hmm. But like, that was it. <laughs>
2: uh, um. Oh, uh, It just also didn't it didn't know what kind of movie is supposed to be like it wasn't for kids because kids would be terrified of this movie. Like there's just some scary crap and post-apocalyptic darkness and terrifying rat people killing people. And it's just like this is awful. Like who is this for?
1: Yeah, I mean, once again, just you're. I think you nailed it with the, just everything felt random. Yeah, the whole movie. Uh, and like the perfect example of that was like in six minutes span when they're at the top of the Christmas tree. She turns him into a boy with no effort. Mm -hmm. She finds the white fairy, like the snow fairy or whatever with no effort. (laughs) And then the boy gets turned back into a a nutcracker with no effort. (laughs) And then, well, before that, at some point, Ellie Fangs is like, have you thought about turning off their smoke machines? And the boy was like, that's it. And I was like, so within two minutes of just being with her in one conversation, she thought of something you never thought of before. Turn off the thing that is destroying your country,
2: <laughs> and that then they ding- go. They go to the country, and they she finds Uncle Albert in the magical world. And she goes, "Can you tell us where the smoke machines are?" And he points over where the giant plumes of smoke are coming out of a building. <laughs> oh like, my god! Maybe they're over there. And he says, "Follow the toys," and there's no toys for them to follow. She's like, "Oh, okay." And they head towards the like. This is so badly written. Did no one watch this? Or read it again.
1: Um Yeah. So guys, this one was so this this may be the hardest episode I've ever had to record.
2: Yeah, we mentioned this right before we started recording. We're like, we stopped ourselves. We're like, save it for the recording because like, like, we've watched bad movies on purpose a lot, and we actually, we, I think, I enjoy most of them because they're bad, but yet funny bad.
1: There there have been a few movies that I've had to do in two sittings. Like, I, <laughs> I dialed Yeah. There are some movies we reviewed that are so bad that I got to go, oh, I got to take a break from this. This movie, four sittings. It took four sittings. <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment. I think last night when Anna and I were watching another chunk where we got through it and I was like, oh my God, this is awful. How long has it been? And I paused it. And it, had been four minutes. it had been four minutes. And we were so just overwhelmed by how much this movie was.
2: So I don't like do, listening to podcasts, audiobooks or doing anything at a faster speed just to get through it because I don't think it gives me the full experience because I was a film major, I like watching movies for movies. This is the first ever piece of media I purposely consumed because I found that VLC media player can do a different speed. Oh yeah. I, I put it at 1.5 speed. If I put it faster than that I couldn't understand what people were saying. Yeah. But it, it did it really cleanly and it didn't have any tearing on digitally or any other. It didn't change the pitch of their audio so I could listen to it nicely. But I was like, I can't. I just got to make this go by faster. So I put it, it was- 1.5 speed and I slowed it down for some of the songs because it was hard to understand during the songs. But otherwise, I had to speed through this because I was like, this is so bad.
1: <laughs> um, oh, and let's talk about the 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 like musical aspect, uh-huh. because it was once again, Nathan Lane's first thing was a little bit charming. He's charming. Nathan Lane is fantastic. He's charming and it wasn't overdone. It ended quickly. But then you get like that full musical, multiple full musical numbers with John Turturro yeah. in Rat Makeup. Multiple. <laughs> Including one where he's like addressing the crowd like Hitler, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other Rat Man joined in singing between beating people. Um <laughs> And then there was this moment, oh, my God, I had this this insane moment where the Rat King shows up to capture them, and he's got these glasses on, and I went, oh, my God, they made him Andy Warhol. Oh, really? Like They styled him in that scene where he, like, takes the brother with him and captures the the Nutcracker and the two friends. Oh, the
2: hair, like, you're right. I didn't even think about that, too, the, the hair. White hair.
1: And then they put him in those round black glasses, and I was like, oh, my God, why? And he's wearing, like, I was like, why did they make him Andy Warhol?
2: So he's rat Nazi Andy Warhol. This makes right, sense. Right. Of- rat
1: Nazi Andy Warhol. It got worse and worse. They just kept adding layers and nothing made sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then at the end, oh, my God. Anna and I made such fun of this because it sounds like something one of our kids would say. So the Rat Queen is like trying to escape and she's like, I need someone who can fly the helicopter. And the little boy, the little brother is like, I could fly it. I could fly anything. And she's like, really? And he goes, yeah, I can fly silver ones and I can fly anything. And she's like, OK. It <laughs> brings him to fly the helicopter because they literally had no plan of how to get him to the end of the movie (laughs) they had had no plan for this kid they had to write the most asinite dialogue ever to get him to go with her and then they get
2: to the thing and she's like well come on let's go and he's like well i don't know how to lift it off i can just fly it (laughs) so he he couldn't even fly the plane to begin with
0: (laughs) (sighs) i can fly silver ones and anything (laughs) i'm the useful brother (laughs) <laughs> Just happy christmas betrays her in an instant
2: <laughs> oh my god um, um yeah
1: what a bad 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 movie
2: so in seeing this movie I assumed there had to be some very wonderfully explanatory trivia behind the scenes information to explain how this travesty came to a, a film and there is some interesting tidbits but not nearly as much as I would hoped for um, so this is the only version of the Nutcracker with a zero percent rating on Rot- Rotten Tomatoes. Not surprising anyone. Uh, director Andre he gave the villainous rat Nazi he gave the villainous rats Nazi like qualities in his production. One of many elements in the adaptation which alienated both critics and audiences. <laughs> um, in a 2022 article, that's pretty recently, last year of Medusa, they reported that the film was primarily financed by something company called V E B R F. And it's a Russian state development corporation chaired by Vladimir Putin. And that was the most expensive Russian film produced to date. So we have Putin to thank for this movie. He's on the chair of the corporation that funded this film. Very weird. Um, The film brought in a total of $20 million worldwide, over half of which came from Russia. $10 million of the half of the budget, making it uh, a box office bomb with a loss of $73 million. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I'm just surprised I couldn't find any more about this. But I searched on Wikipedia and IMDb and other places, and that's pretty much all the background info we have. Um, some places I've noticed John Turturro is not listed in the main cast, so I bet mm. he's he's probably tried to produce some kind of campaign to get his name off of this movie. Um, but anyways, that's just my speculation.
1: Oh, dude, I would too, John. You tried. Yeah, you tried really hard to sell this thing. He
2: was literally eating the scenery.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> chewing the
1: scenery literally oh and i disagree there were times that mouth was very scary but there were times where like they clearly didn't get the angle right and it was like why is his face pointed like that <laughs> pointing the wrong direction yeah yeah, yeah. the snout was kind of like pointed too far up or too far down i was like ah <laughs> that makes makes more disturbing almost i guess oh well well that's oh. a
2: cracker 3d the untold don't. story that shouldn't have been told
1: um i'm just gonna flat say it, don't watch this no Learned from us. <laughs>
2: the other bad movies we watch, we'll probably usually say watch them because it's fun. Yeah,
1: watch it. It's a fun romper. So this was movie was a little bit redeemable. No, nah, no. Nah. This was just uh, painful. Not nah, this one. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy
0: animals. <laughs> if you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant.
1: All right. This week, my radical recommend is something that I should have recommended a long time ago, but I didn't really give it the chance it deserved. And that's Muppets mayhem. Oh. On Disney plus. Um, I sort of watched it at the beginning and then took a break. Cause a lot of other TV stuff hit. And then I finally went back to it and rewatched it. And the Muppets mayhem is one, probably the most worthwhile thing. The Muppets have done since like the movies. Nice. Since like the Muppets and Muppets most wanted since those. Um, I love that, uh, Adam, Adam Goldberg from the Goldbergs is involved. You can feel it. Mm. I love that show. And because of that, I think that translates very well to the Muppets. Um, it doesn't quite feel like the Muppets you're expecting, but that it doesn't make it bad. Okay. I'm glad someone's doing something good with it and treating the characters right. I've seen a lot of
2: good reviews for it for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, and it's a fun Story, there are ups and downs. There is like an overarching story kind of, but it doesn't really matter. You get a lot of really great character moments and ridiculous moments. A lot of really good, clean fan service <laughs> throughout references and references to the movies and the show and things that true fans are going to catch, but but people that watch generally aren't going to be dissuaded by.
2: Now, is it an ongoing show or is it a one and done type of thing?
1: I hope there's more. I don't know. I actually haven't seen. but There is a full season on Disney+. Plus. Okay, gotcha. And we'll eventually
2: review it on our sister show, Muppet Trek, in like 40 years. <laughs>
1: yeah, like 30 or 40 years. <laughs> well, very cool. Yeah, i check we, it out. We will be 67, and I'll be like, "Ah, oh, we're going to talk about Muppet's Mayhem, episode one. It's a shame they've released 20 more uh, different series I mean, now. We'll I mean, never get stop- to. And Star Trek Discovery Episode 3. <laughs> Probably.
2: <laughs> oh, God.
1: <laughs> we
2: did this to ourselves.
1: We chose this life. <laughs> God. By the end of it, I am going to be an expert on all things Star Trek, and German's going to be an expert on all things Muppets and Henson.
2: That's right. That's right. By I the end.
1: It. Yeah. I know In so much more years, about puppets, we, no. will ha- we will actually... Both have a giant body of knowledge, whether we like it or not. Probably not. <laughs> All right. What well, yes, brings no, us no, so I so. Check
0: out Yes,
1: Mayhem. Please some trailer
0: reviews. All
1: right. So this week
2: we're covering the sequel to the Beverly Hills Cop franchise, Beverly Hills Cop Axel F. Don't love the name, but I did love the first three movies, and I um, was it three or two? <laughs>
1: Did you know that that's actually just the name of that iconic song? That's right.
0: <laughs>
2: I forgot that was the name of it. this.
0: It's called Axel F.
2: Yeah, and it's uh there was a story behind the guy who wrote that too. I can't remember exactly, but it was it's interesting. Um but, yeah, it's, uh, I love the old movies, especially – I think they watch the third one the most, which isn't a lot of people's critical favorite, but I really oh, like no, I them. love
1: that one where he goes to Wally World or whatever. Yeah, no, what and he has it? the weird
0: Wonder gun. World, Wonder, Wonder World, Wonder World. Ba, da, ba, da, ba. I love that one.
1: Yeah, it's so great. And the guy makes
2: the weird gun for him that he shoots and That's stuff. That's right. Um, so what do you think of this trailer for the okay. new one? Okay.
1: Um, I like that it feels modern. It feels like something contemporary in that it didn't try to make it feel like the 80s or the 90s when this was at its pinnacle. Right. I like that. Um, my big issue and the big draw of these was always like Eddie Murphy mouthing off. Right. Like That was the draw of these movies. That's what made them the movies they were, not the crazy action. And we like really didn't get none of that.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Is does he have the energy to carry through? Because even though he looks amazing, Eddie Murphy doesn't age, but he does he have the energy that he had because he was just manic and it's like he was so funny and energetic all the whole time. That's what made Beverly Hills Cop so awesome and Axel Foley. Is he is he gonna have that still to
1: make it magical like it was? Um I certainly hope so. Um but I just didn't. We got some flashes of the eyes and those kind of iconic looks. There were a few bits of dialogue that we did get to hear, but like him just saying smart Alec things was like the best part. And we only got just the littlest pinch of that. And that makes me worried.
2: Yeah, I saw probably a couple more shots of him knocking guns out of people's hands and, and punching somebody than I did him making jokes. And that's But I did like that I saw Judge Reinhold come back and the. The old police chief or whatever guy is there. He's still alive, which is amazing. Yeah, uh,
1: I remember his character's name was Taggart. Taggart. I don't yeah, that. I don't know the actor's name, but Taggart.
2: But I love Judge Reinhold. He's been gone
1: forever. I don't know what the hell he's been doing all these years. Um, in the third movie, they established that he retired to Florida and plays golf. Nice. That's That's true. And we
2: have Kevin Bacon as his new captain, I believe, which is pretty cool.
1: Oh, and Paul Reiser in there. Like, that's Reiser. The, other thing. the cast looks good.
2: Oh, yeah. It looks fantastic. It's all on Netflix. It's going to be a Netflix
1: release. Yeah, I'll get some storks to bring that to me. Um, you don't have Netflix? Nah, we gave it up because we just don't. There wasn't enough content that we were actually. Oh, yeah. I think you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. We did like a major purge where we were like, what are we actually watching on this? Stranger Things. What else? Yeah, just bring All it right. back
2: when you get Stranger Things or
1: something. Yeah, know? that's literally what we did. We brought it back for like the two months we needed it for Stranger Things and shut it off.
2: Thankfully, I still have a backlog of shows that I'm catching up on that are still on Netflix. So I'm like, it's still useful to me um, at this right. point, but I get what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, what do you give this, uh, this trailer?
1: All right, so I'm going to give this trailer. Uh, it's Gary Busey, and he shows up. And he's like, hey, I hear we're in 48 hours. And Raul Julia goes, you weren't in that one that was Nick Nolte. I've told you a thousand times. <laughs> and he's like, oh, damn. Ah, time to go have more wine and pills. <laughs> and <he just laughs> slumbers back into his room.
2: I always got him confused with uh, Nick Nolte back when I was a kid because back then they were more similar because Gary Busey wasn't nuts yet. Um so yeah that was kind of thick abuse. But uh, I get this one uh one Eddie Murphy on the set for the new Axel Foley movie and he's the director saying, "Hey, we got to cut. I don't know what's going on with you, man. Eddie, Eddie, we're not feeling the energy." And he's like, "Give me a minute. I'll be right back." So he goes to his trailer. He gets this giant syringe and he has Gary Busey tied up in this trailer and he sticks the syringe in and pulls out the Gary Busey juice and sticks it inside of himself and he's like, "Oh, no, Busey juice." And now he has full energy. He's <laughs> like he's like crack for twenty years. And <laughs> he's Love so funny.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it all comes back. Thanks, Gary Busey. You saved the franchise. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, I guess that brings us to the end, right? <laughs>
1: That's right. Uh, thanks for joining us for episode one eighty six. Join us after the new year for episode one eighty seven, where we're just going to kind of do something random and nerdy, and we're going to talk D and D. Dungeons and Dragons. And we're going to bring you five tips for players and five tips for DMs.
0: Fun for the whole family.
1: To your tabletop. But until then, come on back and be our nerdy audience. We'll come back in the new year and be your nerdy co hosts. Thanks again, Internet.
0: Happy Christmas. Stay nerdy, my friends. Merry Merry Boxing Day. Thanks
2: for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your
1: questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout-out on the show.
2: Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us.
1: Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how...